0: What's up, church? Uh, we're excited to be here today. By the way, I just want to point out, kind of echo what AJ was talking about. Um, hey, we got a great youth ministry program here on Sunday nights at five thirty, five o'clock, 5.30. Um, if you have a student, you got to get them here. All right, it's good for them to be here. It's awesome. They have a ton of fun, especially tonight. And uh, we got a good group of young people here. Like this morning, we got Aiden on the cameras, we got Cole and, uh, and Maya, we're both here um, with Blaine on stage, so we got a, and they're high school kids, okay, so uh, we got some good, we got some good kids here at Grace, all right, so, uh, okay, yeah, people are like, eh, <laughs> okay, um, hey, uh, this morning we're going to be starting a brand new series, we're going to be talking about the book of James, technically, Letter of James, and uh, we're going to be in this for the next eight weeks, all right? So we're going to be in this for a long haul, okay? You guys ready for it? You guys good? All right, this, uh, this book, it's only got five chapters in it, and this is, a, this is Bible chapters here that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like your normal, you know, those of you guys who read all the time, like book chapters where it's page after page after page after page. Bible chapters like half a page, maybe a page, depending on how big your Bible is, you know, um, but uh, James is just a few pages long. All right, we're going to be talking about it for the next eight weeks because it is jam-packed full of uh, of, of good stuff that really du- directly applies to our life. And so what my plan is for today all right, is I want to introduce you to James, not the book of James. I want to introduce you to the guy, James. All right, And we're going to talk about him for a little bit and find out what's his deal, who he was, what, what was going on with James. And then we're going to get in probably for the first eight verses or so. Okay, and then we're going to call it quits. We're going to go on to next week. You guys good with that? Yeah. You with me? Okay, all right. Sounds good. Um, let's go ahead and, and get rolling. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I decided, for some reason, uh, that uh, that I wanted to go back to school and uh, work on a master's uh, uh, in business degree, okay? And so I started doing that, and uh, any of you guys, you know, who have gone to, to college or even teachers don't listen to this, but maybe even high school and stuff like that, you know, have you ever noticed that as you take a class, you hear? What do we learn, right? When we go to school, theories, concepts about you know what we should do and why we should do it. We learn about how to do things the right way, you know, and just all this stuff, um, you know, about uh, about life or about the subject that we're talking about. And for me specifically with my MBA, you know, I'm looking at it. I, had a, I learned about human resources and business environment and marketing and accounting, which I hated. All right. And in uh, finance and managing people and all this stuff. But then when you take all this stuff like that, you learn like all this knowledge and then you start applying it to like the real world. I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't. Uh, it's just a completely different thing sometimes. You guys ever experienced that? Okay, things that you learn that like, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to do in a perfect world, but we don't live in a perfect world. All right, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this information because it doesn't apply. See, many times we learn theories and concepts that don't exactly fit into real life. Like it's just not practical. That is not James. All right, that is not the book of James at all. All right, James, he is very, very practical. The letter is very practical. Um, He's not complicated. He's not trying to beat around the bush. You know, he's just like, hey, do this. Hey, don't do that, all Right? It's super simple, and uh, James, what he does is he challenges us, or he's challenging me this week. He challenges us, and sometimes he does that a little forcefully, all right? So I'm just giving you a fair warning, all right? This is just how it is. This is just who James is. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. You're going to argue in your mind. You're going to be like, well, you know, you know you're going to want to argue with him. Um, he's just so blunt, Okay? Um, in fact, there's more commands per square inch in this tiny little book than any book in the Bible. Okay, James, he you just, you just loads us up. I mean, he's going to be challenging us for the next eight weeks. He's going to be challenging us in the way we think about our jobs, how we handle money, how we do business, how we make plans, how we treat people, uh, how we handle temptation, which we're going to be talking about that next week. So make sure you're back here for that. And how we face trials and hardship and all this, you know, bad stuff that kind of comes into our life just in general. And what James will do is he comes at you. All right, he doesn't, he doesn't hold back or anything like that. Uh, in one sentence, he'll say something like, hey, you know, you brothers. He'll call us brothers. In the other sentence, he'll call us adulterers, okay? Um, in one sentence, he'll be like, hey, how much he loves us. And then in the other sentence, he'll, he'll call, us, call us senseless people, Right, So he, he doesn't hold back. He shoots straight with us. And that's one of the reasons why I like this book so much is he just tells it plain. Like, don't beat around the bush. Stop. You know, get, just tell me what you're talking about. Tell me plainly, and that's exactly what James does. So I'm excited about it. It'll be fun. It'll be a good eight weeks. Uh, the other thing about James is that he adds some unique perspective on some different things. And, uh, and the unique perspective really comes from the fact that James is the half-brother of Jesus, Right? Some of us were like, wait, what? Especially ex-Catholic people. It's like, wait, Jesus didn't have any brothers. Eh, that's not what the Bible tells us. Right? We find out that James, he's the half-brother of Jesus. Same mom, different dads. Okay, that's James. Um, can you imagine that? Let's just let's like pull away for one second and think about this real quick. Can you imagine how it would be to have Jesus as your brother? Some of you guys are like, man, that would have been awesome. Right? Like, he would have done all my chores for me. He would have done everything. Like, can he say no? You know, like, it's Jesus. Um, he'd always share, I want that toy, you know, I don't know. But, uh, but, but think about like the negative aspects of it. Like your older brother, all right? if you're James, your older brother never did anything wrong. So when something went wrong, when the cookie went missing from the cookie jar, they all know it's you. Because Jesus would never do that, you know what I mean? Um, the older bro never messed up, he never did anything wrong. Any of you guys have like an older sibling that was like the chosen one? You know, that was like the favored of your parents, the one who got all A's, the one who did everything right. You know what I'm talking about? Picture, yeah, it's like that, only times 100, you know, because it's Jesus. And that's exactly what was going on in James' life. That part would be terrible to have Jesus as your brother. You know, you ever wonder, maybe once in a while, that the words may have just happened to slip from Mary and Joseph's mouth. Something like, James. Why can't you just be more like Jesus? You ever think that happened? I bet that happened a lot. You know, and James is, you know, disrespectful. Why can't you be more like Jesus? Or James sneaks out of the house. James, Jesus would never do that. Why? What's wrong with you that you would do that? Or, or James, when he's little, like, my kids are going crazy, and you're like, look at Jesus. He's sitting there calm, talking to the adults. Why can't you just be like that? You know, be normal, okay? Um, I'm sure that James heard that kind of stuff all the time because Jesus was always perfect and compared to James I mean let's be honest compared to any of us right James would have been the one like here's Jesus he's perfect and then James the one is the one who made all the mistakes right and he probably got compared to Jesus his entire life in fact James we know refused to believe that Jesus was God during Jesus's life before Jesus died on the cross Matthew 13 all right, gives us a story where Jesus, he's in his hometown, and uh, it's on the Sabbath. We talked about the Sabbath last week and kind of what that meant to the Jewish people. And, uh, and so Jesus goes to the local synagogue in Nazareth, Nazareth, and, uh, and he goes there and he starts to teach. And his family is there, and the people that he grew up around, like their neighbors and stuff, like people that Jesus probably knew his entire life, they were there. And check out what they have to say in Matthew chapter 13. Right? He says, hey, where did this man get wisdom? Get this wisdom in these miraculous powers? Right? They're looking at Jesus. Jesus is healing people. He's talking. You know, he's saying things that, that they never heard before. He's doing things that they never have seen before. And they say, Isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, isn't this Joseph's kid? Jesus? Right? Like, like, didn't he is it didn't he like Five years ago, build our table that's sitting in our living room right now in our chairs. You know, is that Jesus? Isn't this that guy? Or isn't this Mary, uh, his mother, uh, isn't his mother called Mary? Like, isn't this Mary's boy and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? He says, and his sisters. Did you know Jesus had sisters? Half sisters, okay? He says, aren't they all with us? So where does he get all these things? Like, how is he able to do all this stuff? He says, and they were offended by him. They didn't like it. They're like, I'm not listening to this kid. I changed this kid's diapers. All right? You ever feel that way? It's like, I'm not, you know, with with maybe your kids. I'm not, I'm not, what's this kid know? I remember when this, when he was just a toddler. And so they reject Jesus. And at this point, Jesus is about 30 years old, because this is right at the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus, um, he was, uh, he would have, we know from history, he would have learned to be a carpenter. That's what his dad was, Joseph, or his father you know, human dad, uh, half dad, I guess, or that's not half dad, I don't know, never mind, half brother, <laughs> adoptive dad, I don't know, and uh, and so Jesus was a carpenter, and then when he became around 30 years old, that's when he started his ministry, which he did to, for about three years until he was put to death, All right, so they're looking at this 30-year-old guy, and they're like, who is this guy? He was just building stuff like last week, and now he's telling me what I should do with my life, and now he knows all this stuff about the Bible. Another time, um, we know that Jesus, this is funny to me, because Jesus, he's in this house nearby, and when Jesus started talking, again, everybody wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, and everybody wanted to see what he was going to do next, because Jesus was doing some miraculous stuff. And so whenever Jesus started to talk within his ministry, like out in public, like crowds gathered from all Over And so on this time, on this other time that we're talking about, uh, Jesus, he's in the house. There's a crowd gathered in there. They're all packed in there. And the crowd's kind of spilling outside the house. And then some whispers start happening because Jesus' mom, Mary, and his brothers, right, James is one of them, they come up and uh, they come to the house. And then, you know, this whispers like, hey, Jesus' family is here. And so the crowd kind of starts... Back in close, you know, they start kind of making a, a way for them to walk through, and, and they walk through, and they, they get in there, and they, they go before Jesus, and they kind of bow down to Jesus, and they begin to worship him. Actually, no, that's not what happens. They get there, and uh, this, is what, this is what happens in Mark chapter 3. It says, when his family heard this, all right, they heard that Jesus is teaching, and that he's in this house, and that all these people are listening, and they say, they heard this, and they set out to restrain him. All right? You don't hear this every day. He says, because they said he's out of his mind. This is Jesus' own family. I don't know what Mary was doing. Okay, we get this idea of Mary is like a perfect, sinless person. Not accurate, okay? Mary is part of this, all right? Mark tells us that. Mary is there, all right? And I, and the I reason that it's like, you know, i try to think through. I'm like, Mary, she had the virgin birth. And, you know, she had angels talking to her and said that, Jesus was going to be the Messiah and all that stuff, but here she is. She's like trying to restrain. She's trying to restrain Jesus, and, you know, she's wondering if, she, if he's crazy. You know, can you picture this? Yeah. This is one, by the way, this is one of the reasons why I love the Bible so much. Because the Bible doesn't gloss over our failures, all right, or any of the failures in, of the people in the Bible. All right, they're all messed up people, except for Jesus. Everybody's, everybody's messed up. And so here's even Mary, even Jesus' own family. And so they go in there and James, you know, he walks in the house. They don't bow down cuz he's not there to worship. He's like, "Hey Jesus, I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry about this." And they're embarrassed by Jesus. They're like, "Guys, I'm so sorry about this." You know, when he gets low on blood sugar, he thinks he's the Messiah. It's crazy. Jesus, you come down here. Jesus, come here right now. You were time to go home. You know, that's what they're doing. With Jesus they're like he's crazy. Don't listen to him. You know? That's, that's, they weren't there. James was not there. He did not come to worship Jesus. He came to take custody of him. All right, another time, in John, we say that his brothers said to him, they say, hey, leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples could see your works that you are doing. And so what's going on here is they're kind of mocking him. Right? Jesus' brothers, all right, and, and James, he's, you know, he's there, and, uh, and they're kind of mocking him here. He says, for no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. And so if you do these things, show yourself to the world. Like if you can do the things that you're telling us that you can do, like, like if you have the ability to actually heal people or cure this or do that, he's like, then why don't you just show everybody? Like why are you out here? All right? So he says, for not even his brothers believed him. All right, here they're mocking him. They're saying, "Hey, you're out here, Jesus. We don't understand what's what's going on because you're out here. You're like in the in the sub-level markets, you know, like uh, like why are you out here in the in the in the little villages? Why don't you go to the big TV markets like Jerusalem? Like if you want to go big, Jesus, and, and and you're the Messiah. All right, why don't you go there and you're going to save everybody. You're going to you become this the, the next king of Israel. Why don't you go over there? And uh, and and that's where it can, you know, that's like big time. Right, you want to blow up? Like, that's where you need to do it. See, originally, James is not, he's not a believer. He's not buying it. He's not buying that his own brother, Jesus, is, the, is God. Right, there's just no way. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago on Easter. It wasn't the miracles and it wasn't the, the teachings of Jesus. That, uh, that, that persuaded people that, that Jesus was, was God. That's not what convinced people. It was the coming back from the dead. That convinced people that Jesus was real, that he actually was God. And remember how all that happened? We talked about that the next week right after Easter, just a few weeks ago, how Jesus started appearing to people. Remember? No one remembers. Okay. All right. We got a few. All right. Man, okay. Um, well, first he appears to some women, right? So he appears to the women. And then in 1 Corinthians, we find out that he appears to, all right, 15. He says, uh, he appeared to Cephas. Who's that? That's Peter. And he says, he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the 12. So then he appears to the 12 disciples. And he's like, hey, I'm here. You know, um, told you. Here we go. It says, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Now, this isn't Jesus's Real brothers and sisters, these are, um, these are people, Jesus' followers, okay? It's not like Mary had, yeah, okay. So, to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep, meaning some of them have, have died. And then he appeared to James. Do you ever read the Bible and, uh, and just kind of go, man, I wish I was there for that, for this thing? I wish I could have seen that. You guys ever do that when you're you're reading through stuff? Some of you guys need to read your Bible a little bit more, maybe, okay? Um, But this is one of those times. Like, I wish, for me personally, like, man, I wish I could have been there for that. Not not that I had to say anything or do anything. I just wish I could have watched that. Like, you ever wonder, like, what, uh, like, imagine how the conversation would have went. How'd that go? Here's James. He doesn't believe. He ain't buying it. Okay, in fact, he mocks Jesus. He told people that Jesus was crazy, okay? And then Jesus gets put to death. It's his brother, right? So James is in mourning, his mom's in mourning, you know. His whole family has been kind of decimated by this thing, and then all of a sudden, right? Because Jesus was crazy, right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus just appears. Like that's what he was doing. That's how he was appearing to people. We know from other accounts, um, we don't necessarily know what happened. This is all we know about it. But uh, but you know, did he just appear? Like you know, it was James just like, whoa, Jesus, what's going on? Like like you know, how did that go? I wish I could have. I really wish I could have been there. You know, did he go? Told ya. You know, like like a brother would. Told you I was right, you know, or Jesus probably wouldn't have that attitude when he did it. But uh, where did he go? Hey, James, what's up? Like, like at this moment, Jesus won every argument that they ever had, okay, throughout life. Like like this is it, you know. Like did Jesus go, hey, I told you, virgin birth. Didn't you ever wonder why it didn't look like dad? You know, like, like here it is. I'm here. I told you. I am God. Like, like you know, have, here's a question. Have you ever had that family member who um, maybe, do you ever, do you have that family member who you would view it as, man, it would be a miracle if they came, walked through these doors and came to church? Any of you guys got people like that in your life who are like, they'll never come to church? You know what I mean? That's James. All right, that's James. That was, that, that, that's who he is. All right, picture that person In your mind, writing the book of James. And he tells us straight up. And he doesn't hold anything back. I mean, he's a regular. Average guy who's writing to Christians who have been kicked out of their homes, who have been chased out of town, who have been robbed of everything that they've had. They've had people probably in their family die. Like people are getting put to death because of their, their, because of their belief in Jesus. Because remember, the, religious, the Jewish religious leaders, they hated Jesus. I mean, they're the ones who put Jesus to death when James is writing this just a few years before. And then you got all these Jesus followers after, because Jesus rose again, you know, he he came back from the dead, and so all these people start believing, and so they're starting to crack down, but it's not just the Jewish religious leaders who are persecuting or or punishing people who believed in Jesus, it was also the Roman government, because they cracked down, and they cracked down hard on these people. It's kind of interesting looking at James's life, Um, like when it was easy to be a Jesus follower, when Jesus was alive, and, uh, and, or when Jesus was there and, and you know, doing his ministry, like, like that would have been the easiest time to believe in Jesus, and James completely rejected him, and now that Jesus is resurrected, and Jesus is no longer with him, and, and, J- Jesus, and James has seen Jesus, I mean, he is something, you know, he's seen him with his own eyes, like he cannot deny that Jesus is God, or that Jesus was telling the truth, and now James is all in. When it's inconvenient to be a Christian. In fact, when it's dangerous to be a Christian. All right? James he's all in. And you want to know the first thing that he says? He says this. There's a whole bunch of stuff packed in this verse. He says, "Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials." Now, if you're like me, the first time you read this, you're just like, "What?" consider it great joy let me read this again like maybe james maybe he switched on what was going on he says consider it a great joy whenever you experience various trials what is james talking about see what james how james starts off this very practical book or letter at how he begins and, and you know how, what he kind of shoves in our face is he's he's being straight up with us he's just saying hey guys guess what pain is coming it's coming. There's nothing you could do about it. It's coming. And anyone who thinks that they will be exempt because they believe in Jesus or they have this relationship with Jesus or because they come to church on Sundays or because they're baptized communion whatever, you know, it might be hasn't read their bible. Because that's not what the bible says. In fact, Jesus tells us that we as Christians or we as Jesus followers will probably experience even more pain than if we weren't Jesus followers because he says, hey, the world hates me. They're gonna hate you too. And so we as Christians, we know that pain and trials will be a part of our life. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay. Now, some of us, we have different levels of of pain, right? Some of you guys, your coffee's too cold, and you're just like, man, you know, guess what? You'll survive it, all right? Or maybe you find out she's breaking up with you, all right? It's okay. Or maybe you're losing your job, right? You are going to make it. See, James, he's saying, hey, don't just expect it. He goes even a step further. He's like, celebrate it, Saying, hey, even if it all happens at once, see, some of us were like, okay, I hear what you're saying, um, but I don't know if my situation applies to the various trials to the trials that that James is talking about. Um, Notice, real quick, that it says James writes various trials. Okay, he kind of covers everything. So if you're going, hey, you know, my marriage is rough and uh, and things are not going well, and you know, I just don't know, like. Like, if this is going to last, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if my wife, you know, she might be trying to leave me, or, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, does that count as trials? I don't, know, I don't really, yeah, that counts. That falls within the word various, okay? All right, some of you guys are like, well, I'm, you know, I'm sick, or I've been diagnosed with this, or I got this physical issue, or one of my best friends is, is sick, or family members, and, you know, does that fall? Yeah, that, that's within the category of various trials. And some of you guys, maybe you've experienced death recently. Maybe you know, obviously not you, but somebody, somebody around and around you that you care about a lot, and you're like, you know, I don't, uh, I don't. yeah, that, that's within the word various. Or maybe you got some stuff going on at your job that it's just like, man, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. It's all this pressure. I got this, you know, coming from, you know, from this way. And I got this coming from this way, and I don't know what to do at my job, or I don't know if I should keep this job, or I don't know, I don't know. That counts within the word various. See, even when you're surrounded by a large variety of problems, and let's say all those problems are even happening all at once, James said, you got to have joy. Actually, this word various, um, it, uh, it, it, it kind of covers all grounds. It talks about external stuff hitting, you know, that's like stuff hitting us from all sides, so that's our job or marriage, you know. Sickness, just all death, all that kind of stuff is hitting it from all sides. But it even goes even deeper than that. It's it talks about more internal stuff too. So it's all this stuff hitting us from the external, it's hitting us from every side, and we feel it. And it's like this weight on us, and we don't know what to do. And then James is like, and not just that, not just the trials is happening around you, but also the trials is happening within you. All right, the stuff that's going on in here, the stuff that you're wrestling with, the stuff that you're dealing with on the inside. He's saying all that stuff together. See, James is like, hey, I want you to celebrate and have joy even while you're drinking your cold cup of coffee, while you just find out that you're going to lose your job. And as you receive the text from your girlfriend saying, hey, you know, I think it's over. And then as you're reading that text and not paying attention, you're walking across the road, then you get hit by a bus. And as you're laying there bleeding out on the pavement, he's saying you can have joy. All right, all that. That's what James is saying. Now, I totally understand that some of you guys, you're looking at this, and this isn't something like in the future for you. All right? You're not going, yeah, you know, someday, whenever, whenever that might be, and I whenever I experience various trials. No, because that's not pointing towards the future, because this is happening right now in your life. Like it's happening now, and it's terrible. And it's awful. I get it. James, he says, notice that it's not a trial, it's plural. It's trials. It's not like we're okay, oh, shoo, I got done with that hard thing, that terrible thing that, you know, I'm I'm finally past it, that that God allowed in my in my life, and, and now I'm done. That's not how it is, right? That's not that's not how life is. It's just not how God has designed it. See, James, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything. He's just telling us straight up, he's telling us exactly what we need to hear. He's saying, hey, what, this is what you need to do when pain and trials enter your life. You, as a Christian, me, as a Christian, we need to experience or we need to consider it a great joy. He's saying that's what we got to do. All right, that's, that's how we react. The word consider here, it actually... Um, Maybe a better word would be evaluate. Okay, it's. Have you ever noticed that um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just me, but you know, uh, but uh, that naturally our reaction to pain isn't necessarily like woo, you know, <laughs> like you know. Awesome, my wife, she wants to divorce me you know that's not usually maybe some people, but you know usually that's not the reaction that you know that people that people want or hey, my best friend just died great like that's not what anybody that's not what anybody does right that's not our natural reaction and so this word consider, all right, that he's saying here, he's like, hey, this is, you know, you need to evaluate it. This is something, it's it's a conscious commitment that you have to make in your mind because it's not natural. It is not natural to have great joy whenever you experience trials in your life. You have to consider it. You have to evaluate it. It takes a thought. There's a thought process Through that, but he's saying, Hey, we as Christians, we can make a conscious commitment to face our pain with joy. Not just some of the trials we go through. Whenever we experience trials, whenever that happens. Whatever that, that is that's going on. All right, every time. So he's saying, okay, Christians will go through trials, and Christians will go through hard times, and Christians will go through pain. And the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, how are we individually going to respond? And James straight up is saying, hey, I don't know, but if you're a Christian, you need to be responding with joy. And so the question is, why? James, he doesn't leave us hanging. In verse 2, he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, we'll get to that in just a second. Next verse, and he says, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, okay? So really what James is telling us here is he's saying, hey, and this is something that if you don't get anything out of today, maybe you will hear this phrase. And he's saying, hey, your pain, our pain has purpose. Like, there's a reason for it. It's not like we're just, God's just, you know, allowing all this stuff. Like, he's not protecting us. You know, it's just a terrible, terrible thing. No, there's purpose to it. he talks about trials as the testing of our faith. By the way, notice that our faith is tested by trials. It's not necessarily produced by trials, okay? Like, the, the trials are testing our faith that we already have. And this isn't God saying, hey, you know, um, Wow, Zach Pinkerton on whatever day today is, May, whatever, um, you know, 2021. I wonder, you know, I wonder how much faith Zach Pinkerton has today. So I'm going to, well, hey, let's let in this horrible thing to happen, and we'll see how he deals with it. And then I'll, then I'll know. And I'll feel good about it. That's not, that's not what's going on. God knows. I'm the one who doesn't know. I don't know how much faith I have. You know, it, it's, it's, for, it's for me. Like, it's all for me. And being tested through difficult things in our life, what James is reminding us is he's saying, hey, it strengthens you. It's kind of like working out. Now, I don't work out, but this is what I hear happens when you work out, <laughs> is, uh, is you work out, right? And, and that tears your muscles, and your muscles grow back stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, the more you work out, the more you can, the more your body responds. And so it's painful, Right? Like, it's difficult. Like, it's not easy. Like, naturally, your body's not like, oh, you know, I want, I, want to, I want to do some more reps. Like, that's, you know, our body wants to, wants to quit, and we got to say, no, keep going. See, we put the, our body through pain, and our body responds by getting stronger, and our faith is exactly the same way. See, James is saying, hey, when you go through hard times, you get the opportunity to have joy because you know, as a Christian, that your faith is going to grow. But if you're like me, it ain't easy. And I need help. And I think James gets that. Next verse, he says, now. If any of you lacks wisdom, any of you guys ever feel like maybe once in a while, a little bit, maybe you lack a little wisdom, okay, yeah, me all the time, okay, like there's tons of times where I'm just like, I'm faced with a decision, it's like, I don't know, whatever you want, just tell me, you know, I don't know what the right, what the right answer is, you know, it's that, it's now if any of you lacks wisdom, which by the way should be every single one of us in this room, including myself, especially for me, he said he should ask God. Who, by the way, gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Right? He's saying, hey, why is, by the way, why do you think James is bringing up wisdom? What do you think his deal is? Why is he bringing up wisdom? See, I think it's because it's the biggest tool that we have when we face trials. It's the biggest weapon in our arsenal. Okay? It's what we got. By the way... Let me explain this. Wisdom is different from knowledge. I think we sometimes get this mixed up, different wisdom and knowledge. Um, Many times when we go through tough times, all right, hang with me here. Many times when we go through hard times and some horrible thing happens in our life, uh, we go to God and demand knowledge, okay? Meaning we go to God and we say, hey, I want to know why. I want to know why. I want to know what's going on. I know, God, that you can use everything for good. I want to know the good, all right? What's the good? What, what good is coming out of this situation? What good could, could possibly come out of this? See, we always want to know why. We want to know knowledge because that's what knowledge is. Knowledge is information, all right? We want more information so, so we can know more, all right? And so wisdom is not that. Wisdom is how to use what we already know. That's wisdom, Somebody said once, they said, hey, wisdom is how to, to, uh, to take something apart. Or, Sorry, let me take that back. Knowledge is how to take something apart, but then you don't know what to do with it. All right? Wisdom is how to put everything back together. All right? What to do with the knowledge that you have. And so here, what God is promising us is he's saying, hey, you ever feel like maybe you need wisdom? He's like, just ask. Why did you ask for it? God's saying, I'll give it to you. You want more wisdom? Ask. Ask away. I will pour it out on you. But that is not what we usually do when we're faced with hard times in our life. In trials, it's like we often go to anybody except God. See, some of us, we're like ultra-Christian people. And uh, and we go to like the Christian authors like, "Oh, oh, this is happening. You know, I know a good book. That, uh, that this guy, he went through the same thing. So what's he had to say? I'm not saying that's bad, by the way. So, okay. Um, I'm just saying, hey, you go to God first. So I think all the things we go through, we, we go to our friends first. All right. We go to YouTube first. We go to podcasts first. All right. We go to our counselor first. We go to all these things to find wisdom or it maybe probably most of us, to find knowledge, like, why is this happening? And James is like, no, 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 no. When you do that, all right, you're missing it, all right? He said, go to God, and you ask him for more wisdom. You go to him first, and guess what? He's going to gladly give it to you. He will gladly give it to you. And so he's saying, hey, that's why we go through hard times. And guess what? We got this wisdom thing, and that's your biggest tool, which is awesome. And God wants to give you more and more and more and more. All you have to do is ask. And then James explains how we should ask of this. Last verse, he says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. All right, it's going to get dark here in just a second. So I'm going to lead you through. He says, for the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. He's like... Nothing you can do about that. He says, "That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways." Now when James is talking about doubting here, he's not talking about somebody who doubts in the existence of God necessarily. Right? What he's talking about is he's talking about people who doubt God's goodness. Now here's my question for you. Have any of you I mean, or do you know somebody? that has ever had something horrible come into your life like have you have you ever had something horrible come into your life where you start doubting God's goodness we do that right don't we start doing that for for a lot of people like that's their first thing it's like okay this bad thing's happening to me god are you there do you see what's going on here god how could you be good if you allow this to happen like you've ever heard people say that like like people question god that way, um, you know, I don't know if God is good because this terrible thing is in my life or this terrible thing happened to this person who I was close to. See, James, he calls us out on that. He's like, hey, what are you doing? You're riding the fence. He's saying, you can't expect God to give you wisdom while you're riding the fence on his goodness. You can't expect him to do this thing for you while you're doubting if he could do a good thing, right? He's, and by the way, James was a man who knew a to or thing about doubting, right? Like James. He was a man who was a doubter. Like he was a doubter. He lived with Jesus his entire life, and he didn't buy it. He didn't buy what Jesus had to say. Actually, he thought it was impossible. In fact, he told people that Jesus was crazy. Like that's James. Talk about doubting it. And so here, right, James, he gets, like, like he gets it. He's been there. He knows what it's like. That's why he starts talking about, you know, it's like it's like like a boat getting tossed around by the waves. He knows exactly how it's like because he understands that we react in one of two different ways when hard times enter our life. Either our faith gets better or we get bitter. There's no in between. And James had experienced both. And he took this concept and he ran with it. And this doubter of a man who walked into the crowd to take custody of Jesus called him crazy and to take him away because he didn't believe a word that Jesus had to say. And just a few years later, he was a leader in the early church. In fact, Paul, he he calls James the pillar of the New Testament church. All right? That's sweet. Right, in Galatians 2, and Acts 12, we see that Peter, he gets out of prison, and it's miraculous, and it's a pretty cool story. You should go read it. And then what's the first thing he does when he gets out of prison? He's like, hey, somebody go tell James. Right? James, he was a leader. In, uh, in Acts 15, there's a, there's a time where kind of all the important people, all right, they kind of all get together, like all the apostles and, and, and Paul, they all get together because they're trying to figure out, hey, what does God want us to do? And who's the one who steps up? Not one of the disciples. It's James. So this guy had had a complete change. He had done a, a, a whole 180. And here's this man that his, it, throughout his life, he took a beating and his faith grew. And he's saying, hey, that's how it works. In fact, he ended up dying for his faith. He was executed in Jerusalem. They took him to the, to the you know, upstairs of the temple and they threw him off the building to kill him, and then when he hit the ground, he didn't die fully, and so then they had to take some clubs and finish the job. Like, that's how he died. So here's a guy who's not just saying, hey, guys, Grace Community Church in Tiffin, Ohio, 2021, Um, you guys go go through some pain, just deal with it. Oh, by the way, you need to have joy. It's not what James does. See here. He's not just preaching it; he experienced it. It is good news for us, because that means that whenever, we're, whatever we're going through, that God can use us. He uses it to strengthen us. In fact. Our attitude should be, like, if we want the right attitude, like, what's what's the perfect thing? And I'm trying to base off what I do off, off that. It's, hey, we should be able to go to God and say, hey, God, I want to be more like you. So whatever trial, whatever hardship that brings in my life, bring it. I'll get through it with your help, with your wisdom. But I'm ready for it. See, this letter, it's not like a self-help message which is like, making us feel good, and hey, hey, you just, you know, go take a nap. And, you know, it's not, it's not what's going on here. It's James saying, hey, you guys are a mess. We're a mess. I'm a mess. We're broke. Like, we're messed up people. And James saying, hey, there's going to be times when hard times will enter your life that you're going to freak out. There's going to be times where you're not going to know what to do. There's going to be times where you're going to feel like you are at your limit. But he's saying, but our pain has purpose. And my guess is that every single one of us needs to hear that today. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for these words. And God, we thank you for giving us wisdom when we ask. We so desperately need that. And God, we thank you for for loving us even when we doubt and even when we don't believe. And God, we, we know we live in a broken world. And we ask that uh, when we go through hard times, that we focus on you, that we go to you first. And we know we can make it through anything with your help. And Lord, we thank you so, so much for loving us and for caring about us to send your son Jesus to die for us.